Hello. Yeah, what's up? Hi. Let's see. If How's it going? Works. Great. How are you? I'm excellent. Uh, I'm in Istanbul, Turkey right now. <clears throat> yeah. Dang, I don't know. Sorry, I'm messing with my video. I might not have video on this computer. Ooh, yeah, it's just black. The screen is just oh. black. Oh, wait, now it's white. Okay. Oh, hey, there we go. hey, what's up? It was just like covered. That's nice. cool. Woo, okay, yeah, I'm just using like a funky computer because I couldn't record it on my computer because it's a Chromebook and those are lame. Well, here we are. Here we, we are. It. We did it. We made it. Cool. This is fun. So I think it's recording. First podcast official. Yes. Station because you're doing freaking awesome, cool shit. And we always have so much to talk about. I even like made a little list and I was like, damn, there's a lot. So um, I know <laughs> as far as I know, as we were. Stuff, how much time do you have? Are you like strapped for time or? I have a solid hour for sure. Okay. Um, the, uh, the Airbnb I'm staying at, the, the washing machine is broken with my clothes inside of it. <laughs> so the hosts have a washing machine technician bringing a new washing machine here at oh. six o'clock in an hour. So, um, so I for sure have, the, they're supposed to arrive in an hour. So I, I basically have until they get here. Cool. Okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So you're going to say something though, Turkey. I don't know. I was saying we have so much to talk about. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I, well, I was just going to say, we, we talked about having this conversation like a while ago and I think it's a couple months or whatever have passed. And so it's like, yeah, things keep stacking up for us to chat about. So I'm, I'm Excited to, to have this conversation and see what you have on your list and get into it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I mean, for the most part, I feel like we always talk about, you know, health and wellness, meat, hunting, how do we have these like carnivorous type lifestyles, primal lifestyles, um, and just like our own health and wellness journey, physically, spiritually, emotionally um all of those things and I was just thinking back to like the first time that we met which is really funny which was in Costa Rica and it was pretty off yes. chance because well I guess Truman introduced us originally because I was staying in that room right. but then That's we right. were like it was before my workshop that like didn't end up being a workshop which is probably good and we were going down to the beach to have like a little picture and then we just started talking about hunting and all the things and ever since then, yes, yes, that's right. Hit it off. So you're just all over the map. So I'd like to maybe start there with like, so I actually want to know, I don't think I know like your background really at all, or like what you were doing before this year or like before Fit for Service. So maybe we can just start there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I am, uh, I am 10 months into a one to two year sabbatical so i um i i'll start a little bit farther back i i was living in new york city from 2014 to 2018 and i was working for a tech company for a startup and we grew into a bigger company and we started expanding internationally 
So I moved to Sydney to launch and run our Australia business. And I was living there for, I lived there for about three years total. So I moved to Sydney, hired a team, built that business. And while I was living there, I started doing a lot of travel to Singapore and starting to do business across Southeast Asia. Um, and we developed this whole plan. I was going to move to Singapore in 2020 and like hire this big team in Asia and start working over there. And like two days after it got approved, that whole plan got approved, lockdown hit March, 2020. So that, that put the indefinite pause on my plans of moving to Asia. And I had already kind of gotten ready for that transition. Like I had gotten the business in Australia to a place where they weren't dependent on me being there. And I was ready to, to move and kind of take the next step. But it was shut down by COVID. And so I was thinking about sort of my life from a broader perspective, because I'd worked for this company for six and a half years. And I kind of always knew that that was going to be a stepping stone, that, that I didn't want my career. It was an ad tech digital media company and fantastic experience and like really successful business and great people that I worked with and it was all good. But I've kind of always known that I, I want to transition my career in the future into something that, that I feel is more meaningful to me personally and, and like more service oriented, let's say. And I also have had a dream for almost a decade of taking a year plus off to travel full time. So at the end of 2020, I figured time to take a step back, time to one, fulfill the dream of travel long-term, but two, really give myself the space to connect with my intuition and connect with sort of the broader intelligence outside of myself too, to see what do I really want to bring into the world next after I'm done with this sort of sabbatical. Cool. Wow. Yeah. I totally, I don't think I knew all of that. So that is. Yeah. We're always just talking about eating meat and (laughs) chopping a beef liver together. We're not going to do anything else. Just all the ways we can eat liver. (laughs) Right. Totally. Wow. That's awesome. And so you're doing it. You're almost a year in. So, or in what? Yeah. 10 months. So maybe just like a brief highlight of, so I know like you're in Turkey right now. I know you've done like, I don't even know what all you've done. Honestly, you were, you were somewhere doing like maybe a, a permaculture retreat. And then obviously we were in Costa Rica together and Austin and stuff. So how has your year been and what are some highlights that you've hit so far? And are you doing, are you just like traveling and finding things as you go to the places you want to go? Are you targeting like permaculture and like, are you have any theme or is it just kind of pretty flowy? Um, I would say it's somewhere in the middle. So I started the year with the intention. So I started, started the year with an intention. The intention was to let go of this part of myself that has a desire for control and really let life show me the way. Like I said, all right, I believe intellectually that there's, there's like, you know, spirit available for guidance here, but I want to really like live it. That was kind of my broad intention. And, and so with that, 
I'm backpacking around and I'm, I'm really going to places that, that I find either because they speak to my intuition or they pop up for some reason, or I feel like I'm guided there for, for some way. So I spent most of the first half of the year in Latin America. I was in Mexico for about two months, spent a month in Nicaragua living with a local family studying Spanish, um, spent a month in Costa Rica doing the permaculture community, Pundamona, as you know. Um, and then outside of, of those like things I just mentioned, like I did a few weeks of Spanish lessons in Oaxaca and Mexico. Um, I've done, uh, yeah, it was really, that was, that was super fun. <laughs> Obviously did fit for service, two trimesters. Um, I've done a number of like, I've done like a number of other retreats and experiences. Um, I did a retreat with the indigenous tribe in Mexico with Ava Evers. Do you know Ava from Fit for Service? Yeah. Yes, I did a retreat with her at the Seri tribe in Mexico, which was incredible. Um, So I've kind of done a mix. It's I'll go for periods where I'm like, okay, I really want to do something. Like I wanted to study more Spanish and I happened to be in Costa Rica and I I had some friends of friends in Nicaragua and I'm like, all right, Nicaragua is nearby. I have a local introduction. I'm going to look there. And, and then I just found a Spanish school there that offered a homestay as, as an option for taking the lessons. And I was like, when else am I going to get a chance to like do this and live with a local family? So I'm going to do that for a little while. So I'll stumble upon things like that. Uh, right now at other times, like right now I'm doing a more free flowing backpacking type of experience. So I'm, um, I, I had a wedding in Italy a couple of weeks ago to attend. So that brought me over to like to Europe and I wanted to travel through the Middle East for a while. And likewise, Turkey just came up a few times recently. Like I had some friends and friends who visited Istanbul. I actually made a Turkish friend recently in Miami. And he was like, like raving to me about how great Turkey is. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll start in Turkey and I'll continue on through the Middle East after that. Dude, I literally know four people in Turkey right now. <laughs> like that I'm like, really? With. Yeah. So, do you know, uh, you know, Chase, do you know Chase? Um, he was in Costa Rica. He wasn't in fit for service, but he was friends. He's like, has kind of like the ponytail hair and he's like kind of bigger. And he was like very, he's like very sociable. Chase, but he wasn't, he wasn't in, he was just like there at yeah. some of the other stuff. Yeah. I don't know if I met him. Okay. He's in Turkey right now. So <laughs> I think you guys so would, funny. would get along. Yeah. He's really into like all the, all the stuff that we're into and everything. And, um, Brian wasn't, Brian Bounds was in Turkey, like just a couple weeks ago. Um, oh. and then his cousin, who's the, the guy I've been free diving with, he's in Turkey right now. Cause it's like the national world championship for free diving is in like, or like, oh. it, just, it just happened. I think it's happening in Turkey. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I want to hear more about that. Freediving actually is one of the skills that I had on my list that I wanted to learn on this sabbatical. And I haven't done it yet, but I'm like, I'm like super interested. Um, it's amazing. It's okay. Yeah. We can dive into that. So I stumbled upon it. I just, um, so yeah, Brian Bounds had like a 4th of July gathering in Colorado in Twin Lakes, Colorado. And I happened to be in Colorado at the time. So I went to it and his cousin, um, 
is a free diving instructor. So just made friends with him and everything. And he lives in Texas. Um, so we just like made friends and, and we were hanging out. And then, um, whenever we, we were back in Texas, a few weeks later, we were just gonna like, um, grab lunch one day or something. And he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm like teaching a court or like, I'm finishing up a course on Lake Travis, like just come out and like, well, then we'll go to lunch after or whatever. So, um, we went and we were just like, it's just, you can go like right off the shore of like this lake and stuff. So it was just like, Hey, come on down and like swim around in the lake and whatever. And I'm finishing up this class. So I'm swimming around and he's teaching a course and there were just some other people there, you know, just, you get a group together to go free diving, he's teaching. And then one of the other people that was there happened to be an instructor and like, obviously was not teaching at that time, but was just like, Hey, do you want to try this? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, obviously, like, what do I do? Um, and he's just like, oh, it's really easy. Like, just be really relaxed and then go down, make sure you equalize. And it's, there's like, you have like a floaty and then they put like an anchor down. And so there's a rope. So when you're first learning, like you're pulling yourself down by the rope, you're not just okay. swimming. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I did it and it was like awesome. And I was like, that was super fun. And they were like, you were really good at that. Like we've never seen someone just like be do to do like that. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I feel comfortable like in nature and in the water and stuff. I don't You're know. You're a woman of the earth. Uh, Nobody yeah. is surprised here. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of cool. And um, so Scott is his name. He comes over and he's kind of like, he was at first he was kind of like, worried because obviously it's like dangerous and if you just go and do it and like he didn't really know me necessarily that I'm like you know competent and whatever so he was like yeah I didn't think you guys are gonna try it and I'm like well you don't know me very well Scott like don't don't introduce me to something dope and expect I'm not gonna try it just so you know for future reference so um it was kind of cool because like he was more excited than me like I have no reference for it being good. I also had nothing in my mind of like, mm-hmm. this should be scary. Like I didn't be like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to consciously like sign up for free diving. Like think about all the things that might, you right. know what I mean? Like I just happened to find myself there and then I did it. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Like know how to do this now. And, and as we've been taking more lessons, it's kind of obviously more apparent of like what the dangers are, but you learn how to mitigate them and mm-hmm. you're underwater and stuff. But Certainly had I like consciously chosen to take free diving lessons, like I don't, you know, I don't know if I would have, um, but I didn't have that like fear or that like nervousness in any way. Um, and then since I've like learned the skills and everything, it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is great. And like, there's more risks as you get obviously like deeper and you're, you get a lot of, a lot better. There's not a whole lot, um, like kind of where I'm at. But so I started going with him just as a friend, you know, and he's an instructor and he's like a newer instructor. And obviously like teachers and instructors really like it when students are a like good at it, B like push themselves. Um, And Mm. that's me, I guess. And so like, he was just stoked every time we went and he just kept like setting up classes for us to go. Like, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. I'm like, okay, (laughs) like I'll take read free free diving lessons um so that's kind of been the journey so it's been really awesome to just sort of have that feedback of like you know sort of like innate skills that like I've never done free diving before but all of these kind of other things of being in water being in nature you know you recognize sort of these 
skills, especially as I'm stepping into like back into the world and trying to like recreate my career and stuff. And I'm like, God, what, what are my skills? Like, what is my expertise? Like, mm-hmm. I know I have these nature skills, but how is I going to like, you know, apply to real life and all of these things. Um, so that was just like a really cool rebound experience. Um, and it's just an incredible meditation because you're holding your breath mm. underwater and then it's all mind game. Mm-hmm. It's mm. all a mind game because you just have to right. be really, really relaxed because if you think about it, when you're, if you're not relaxed and you're freaking out and you're trying to hold your breath, like your body's survival instincts are want you to breathe when you're not relaxed and when you're anxious and it's like you have so much monkey chatter so like normally think of if you're like really stressed and 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 freaking out or something and your first your tool is like okay let me just breathe that's your tool to like calm yourself down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can't do that you can't breathe Mm -hmm. (laughs) underwater right right and you're sensory deprived, right? You're under the water. You can't hear, you can't really see, like you have goggles on, but so like you're, all you have is like your self-talk. Like it's super loud just in mm. your, in your mind. That's all you're hearing. Um, so that's, that was like the biggest thing for me. It was like, this is all, and your body can do it. You also start to learn, like, as we're teaching theory, you learn that like, your body can hold its breath for a really long time. It's actually not a lack of oxygen. It's like the carbon dioxide, but um, the, the capability for your body to do that is like astronomical. So you, it's uncomfortable, but you keep doing it and you like, know you can do it. And you just have to like, keep going and stay relaxed, even though your body's like getting really uncomfortable. So that's been a really, I haven't done it. He, he's in Turkey right now. You guys might actually, I mean, I think he's in Istanbul, so I could honestly try oh, wow. to like set you guys up to to meet, and he would tell you all about it. And he's with like world championship free divers right now, I think. So that oh, might be yeah. I'd love to meet him if he's around. Yeah, yeah. So that was been a really cool experience. So we'll see if I continue on that path. Um, but it was just a really awesome. Yeah, it's it's the feeling after you do a session is like no other. That's what kept me coming back was like how I felt like the days after that. It's just like a three hour meditation wow. pretty much. Wow. Wow. That's so, really interesting. That, yeah. that, that makes me want to do it even more. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So I, I want to hear more about you did a survival trip in the jungle, right? Was that in Nicaragua? I did. Uh, I was in Costa Rica. Okay. So I definitely want to hear about that. And I definitely want to hear about your permaculture experience. Yes. Yeah. So, so um, we can start with the survival course. I did a one week course in Costa Rica in the jungle, just outside of Corcovado. It's like uh, four or five hours South of San Jose and Corcovado is the most, I think it's the most biologically diverse place on earth, actually. So it's this rainforest with like, I think it's at like one or 2% of the world's species just in that rainforest. And the actual national park that is the rainforest is like, you can only do day treks there. You're not allowed to camp. 
and you have to do it with a guide and stuff. But there's a forest just there's rainforest just adjacent to it that's like raw, like virgin jungle, and that's where the survival course is. So we went from San Jose down there and spent spent three nights, three or four nights at a base camp. So we were in sleeping in hammocks, but like in a little with a roof, like a little structure, and like working on bushcraft skills. So so like weaving weaving plates with palm leaves, you know, finding coconuts, eating termites, starting <laughs> fire. We did it, we did a bamboo fire saw, like learned how to start a fire with nothing but bamboo and friction. Nice. Uh, that was that was incredible. Um through that for a few nights and then we spent a night actually sleeping in the jungle. So we like went like did this big trek out in just like the middle of nowhere set up camp hung hammocks between trees like built a fire made food uh and then we came back and then we moved locations to the coast and we went to this it's actually a hostel that's just outside of the corcovado state park and and they've they had like they've got like normal sleeping facilities but we slept in hammocks again outside underneath some coconut trees and there we did like coastal stuff so we went like like we found bait and and like made little fishing lines out of sticks and went fishing and like caught fish and cooked them. Um, what else? we did a few other things we got, we found like, found like we forage for food. So we found like different types of hearts of palm, bamboo palm that you can eat. Um, ate a bunch of fruit, like wild fruit, coconuts. What else did some diving there as well. Uh, That's one of the so cool was a things mix of about that. free diving is um, if you learn that you can go spear fishing. So that's why I would yes. like pursue that probably. Yeah. 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 We didn't do like, we, we did not do free diving on this course specifically, but actually while I was on the coastal part, I met a guy who was free diving and spear fishing. And he was telling me all about it. It sounded, sounded dope. Nice. That's so cool. Okay. So the reason I feel like the jungle is crazy. So I did some of those skills and like did that long survival course, but I was in the Pacific Northwest right. and like, you know, there's, right. there's certain dangers as far as like temperature and just being out and like animals and stuff, but like poisonous, crazy things that are kind of going to kill you is not as much a factor, but the jungle I imagine has that. Did he like, did you guys take precautions when you were sleeping in the jungle? Did your guide sort of tell you like, Hey, this is what, I don't know, like, <laughs> don't eat this. Don't eat that. There's crazy bugs yeah. that are going to come kill you. Or was that not as big of a concern? You do take precautions. Like, so you're sleeping in a hammock. First of all, you never, you would never want to sleep in like a tent in the jungle. Cause there's so many creatures on the jungle floor. So you're, and are you pretty high up? Or just yeah, you hey, you want to hang it so it's like in case you did fall, you like wouldn't injure yourself. So maybe maybe you put it three or four feet above the ground, something like that, the hammock. Okay. And then you take and then you take banana leaves. We I think we use banana leaves mostly, but some kind of big leaf, like banana leaves or palm leaves, and you make a little like rug out of those underneath your hammock. So if you get out in the middle of the night or early in the morning, you can look down and you'll be able to see if there are any snakes 
Because if it's just a regular jungle floor, like you might not notice, you might actually step on one, which is, that's the, the biggest, probably the biggest danger, be stepping on a snake in the jungle. Okay. Um, but, but actually, the hardest part for me, this is true about the survival course and of the, the Punta Mona month that I did, was that you were just wet the entire time you're there. Like it's hot and humid and there's no breeze because the, the canopy just blocks breeze. There's no sun in many cases because the jungle canopy also blocks the sun. Wow. And, and we were in the, in the survival course, we were just waiting, like we were literally wading through rivers that were like chest high sometimes, like holding our packs above our heads. And so you were just saturated with water the whole time. It's like, like we, it was like a weird, like weirdly uncomfortable to just be like hot and sweaty and or wet all the time. Yeah. So I have a newfound appreciation for, for like being cool and dry after that experience. Awesome. awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Ooh, yeah. I can imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Like I almost think I'm, I actually want to do a, some survival stuff, bushcraft stuff in either Pacific Northwest or in Colorado. There's like a couple of good schools in Colorado and Utah um, for survival. And I'm sure that there are plenty of different challenges there that you don't encounter in the jungle, but like for my, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I'm I'm like cold blooded. And for my temperament, I think, (laughs) I think being a cooler climate, I would, I would fare better. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to have that contrast though. It's like you made it more of the survival aspect, you know, that challenge of like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I like just appreciate now that I didn't, that I would have never thought about before. So like, you know, being dry, living in the jungle for a month, you, you don't, you know, you like, you don't have ice ever. So you, you like drinking a cold drink, something that I never I just took for granted before, but now it's like, uh, it's a real luxury actually. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. So then for the permaculture course, um, Permaculture. Okay. So yeah, there's all these terms that fly around. I think we can dive in, especially now. So it's like, you know, there's regenerative, there's permaculture, there's biodynamic. Um, What to your understanding was the definition of permaculture? What did they mean by that? And like, what were some things that you felt like you learned? Yeah. Punta Mona uses all three of those terms you just mentioned to describe themselves. Okay. And there, I mean, the, the ethos of Punta Mona is that they are living off the grid in a way that is like independently sustainable. So they get, they get a few things from the outside world. I mean, they have like, there's a kitchen. And so they use propane for the stoves, like for the gas burners on the stove, for example. So, so like they, they get those refilled at a, a nearby local little town a few things like that but for the most part they are not dependent on like society so all the electricity is solar power the water i think the water is entirely from rain i think it's 100 percent rainwater actually they've got these big rain catches up at the top of the hill um and then they have filters for the drinking water and, and water actually runs out sometimes like water ran out once when i was there when it's been rain for a few days so they were like we've got enough drinking water for the next couple of days, but like nobody can take a shower. Showers aren't going to work. Like it's, it's the real deal. Yeah. Um, they have a, so the, the whole property 
is a farm. And I don't know the exact size. I, I want to say it's like a couple hundred acres. It's pretty big. And so they grow, they grow vegetables. They, they only eat vegetables other than sometimes eggs. So when I was there, they weren't eating a lot of eggs because they had a big chicken coop, but they were actually like working on hatching more chickens. So they weren't eating a lot of the eggs because they were like, like hatching them into chickens. But eventually they'll have, they'll have, they want to have like a hundred, a couple hundred chickens hatching eggs and like more eggs, but, but they're using the chickens uh, for compost. And so it's a full, like, I mean, uh, you know, much more about regenerative farming than I do, but, but, and while I was there, I was not working on the farm, but I learned, you know, I learned, saw the compost place and, and like any kind of leftovers of food that the people don't eat go into this compost, the chickens eat it there a bunch of flies and spiders congregate in there after the chickens. And then they've got these like bins of compost. They dump the, the, like, like that they make compost in. So they'll throw like the leftovers from the food and the poop from the chickens together with a bunch of dead leaves for carbon and leave that for a couple months. Um, that turns into, Oh, they also have composting toilets actually. So the human, the toilets for people are dry toilets. And so, so it's like, I don't know if you've ever used this. It's like, uh, you, you poop into like a bin and then throw sawdust on the top of it. And then that sits for whatever, like six to eight months and then turns into compost. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of, from my understanding, that's one of the def- like differentiations in these terminologies, like permaculture is a lot more kind of the lifestyle. It's like that whole system versus regenerative is sort of the more of the farming practices but it's not necessarily this like composting toilet off-grid whole thing um and like if you just think of the word right permaculture it's kind of like a permanent culture so it's like this enclosed sort of thing um from my understanding too it's a lot of like um like like perennial plants versus annual plants so if you just think about like gardening and stuff like so like fruit trees for example are perennial so like you plant it Mm -hmm. one time and Mm -hmm. it keeps producing over and over versus annuals which would be like a lot of vegetables corn stuff like that it's like you have to plant it every single year so I think that's kind of one of of the things for permaculture is like it's a lot more of these perennials that are like going to sustain you in this permanent culture type of way Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that's just sort of the one of the differences but that's super cool uh you probably learned a lot especially as far as like that small scale like really surviving and like like human scale I like to say that's one of the mm-hmm. terms I've like because you can be regenerative and a lot of these like that's sort of the world that I am coming from and like transitioning to as I work with more of these local small farms and more people are asking me like how do I do it in my backyard and stuff and it's like oh well I've actually like I've never done it like at my house, right? I don't have a house. So it's like the small scale, human scale type where they actually are using the scraps, doing it. Like what you just described was perfect where it's like a combination of poop, food scraps, carbon, like organic matter. That's super cool to like see how it's really done on a very human scale way with no machines, no industry. Like there's still a lot of efficiency industry technology used even in some of these like regenerative systems 
um, which more of my goal has been like, how can we do it on a more small scale, Um, more local, more of this, like less dependent on still big industry, still outside sources. So like, that's amazing that you kind Mm -hmm. of got to see a lot of that. Um, And then, yeah, I would love to hear. So you were pretty much vegan for a whole month doing while you were living there. So let's dive into that a little bit and your internal just experience of of veganism and how that affected your health or not affected, or, you know, if you felt better spiritually, but worse physically, or sort of all of your, Mm. everything you were kind of feeling through that. And then how you, how you transitioned out of that afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So So I want to caveat my story by saying that I was not eating a vegan diet as an isolated variable because not only was I eating a vegan diet for a month at Quintimona, but I was living in this totally different lifestyle. So like, you know, I wasn't like going to the gym and lifting heavy weights like I normally do. And I wasn't like, like out in society, like I normally am. So, so there were like, multiple variables there at play but but my experience was that and let let me also say that the food quality was phenomenal like they they have literally there are some like people who are professional chefs who live there and like like live there full-time and work on staff and they harvest the food hours or sometimes minutes before it gets cooked and served so it's like really delicious and I like felt like I was eating very well. That being said, I felt a noticeable decline in energy. Like, like starting probably a week or so in, I just didn't feel the same kind of physical energy that I normally feel. A lot of my life is geared towards giving myself maximum energy. Like that's kind of how I got into health and fitness and biohacking and stuff in the first place was, was because I, I don't know if I ever told you this. I I had severe sleep apnea as a kid and into my early adulthood. And yeah, so I got got diagnosed when I was 22 years old and got my, the reason was because my tonsils were too large. So like, Mm. like it's kind of like a rare for a young person who's not overweight to have sleep apnea, but my tonsils were too large. So when I was sleeping, they would block my airway and I, I didn't get proper sleep from the age of like 10 or 12 until 22. Damn. And then got my tonsils removed and, and overnight, literally overnight, my life changed. Like my energy doubled. I started being able to work out way harder at the gym because I had more energy. I became more outgoing because I had more social stamina. I totally changed my life. So so a lot of what I think about is energy and like, how do I physically feel? And that's kind of what guides all of my practices. And so I just felt a noticeable decline in energy. And the thing, but the thing that was really striking to me is I felt a noticeable, sharp decline in libido while I was there. And, and it was like, that, that's, so that's something that's like, that's like never happened to me before really under, you know, really under, it's never happened to me like that noticeably before, right? There are something, something like that sort of ebbs and flows and, um, and I think, I think it's Paul Saladino who likes, likes to say that sexual health is a good indicator of overall health. 
so by the end of that month, I just kind of felt, I kind of felt weak from being lower energy. Uh, I definitely felt that I had no sexual energy whatsoever. And not that the, not that the jungle is the sexiest place anyway, because you're like, <laughs> you like go for three or four days without showering and Sweaty stuff, but, and but yeah. never, Nevertheless, it was noticeable. And, uh, and I lost about 10 pounds. I've been a little over that, but I think 11 or 12 pounds that I lost. Damn. And I was eating and it's not, it was not like, I don't think I was in a calorie deficit because I was eating like, you know, they really, they, they, they've had sufficient amounts of food and it's like all fa- always family style. They were serving. I would always go, I always get seconds or thirds in some cases. Like, I was eating a lot of food, but but it for sure is a low protein, high carb diet. Like they had beans and lentils. I had eggs maybe three days out of 30, something like that. Um, but otherwise it was straight vegan. So, so that, that, that's just what it was. And, and like, that was the result. Yeah. Do you feel like you, um, so were you guys doing while you were there? Like, were you diving into like spiritual practice at all? Or like you yourself, were you doing that? Like, that's something that I've sort of um, noticed, like when I do fast and stuff, like um, the intention, it sort of is like, that, that's the distinguisher, the distinguisher for me is like, sometimes, and, and I was actually, I was at the Paul Check holistic lifestyle coaching course this past weekend so we can dive into that afterwards but one of the things that she was mentioning is like our instructor um was saying she also is an ayahuasca um like helper she's not like a a shaman but she's done that for like eight years and works with them and stuff and um you know they'll still sometimes they have the mindset of the no meat and all that and she's like well if you think about that you have to think about the context of like where you're at and to them the whole point of like not eating meat is to be living in this higher realm of consciousness to be not of the earth to be in Mm. this almost this deprived state your body is in a more physically deprived state so you're like up more with the spirit you're weakened Mm -hmm. your physical body is Mm -hmm. weakened so you can have like the spirit come down into you more readily um and so you can see how that would be like beneficial for short bouts but when people are living that way especially in our western stressful cycle like that is not good (laughs) um right so did you feel like you had some do you feel like you were more able to get downloads was your intuition heightened were you did you experience any of that it's it's a it's a good question it's an interesting topic because i've i've heard similar things everything from like depleting your body so that you're less focused on the physical to just not taxing your digestive system as much so like eating less like um like like you know eating less so that your, your body can just sustain, but it's not taxed to not consuming the spirits of animals so that the like energy from the animals isn't inside of you. So you can kind of go, you know, more like scientific or more esoteric. And I think with this topic, but so I, you know, 
I think it's a hard question to answer because there were so many other variables that were also different in this environment, right? So I, for one month, didn't see a single car. And I didn't, you know, you're barely using electricity. And I had no responsibilities or stress. So it was like a very relaxing environment. Um, and I was meditating a ton because I just had, had a lot of time on my hands. And I was just like out in nature. And earlier this year, I started practicing. So I've been meditating for, for 12 years, but I started practicing Zen earlier this year and like meditating in that specific Zen style. And I really leaned into it while I was at Punta Mona. And, and I did for sure have some deep meditative experiences. Uh, but I also have had some deep meditative experiences afterwards on a diet where I eat a lot of animals. So I, ha I wouldn't say that I like have AB tested sufficiently to, to say that like this vegan diet promoted any type of spiritual space um, or state. But I will say that regardless of the negative outcomes, like the, the weight loss and the lower energy and, and that stuff, I did feel so peaceful and so like calm and connected with nature this whole time. So, so certainly, you know, that was present, whether that's related to the vegan diet or not, I don't know. Cause I was also like surrounded by life in the jungle the whole time. So it's yeah. hard to point at one thing. Yeah. And, and you were doing it like the ultimate way where, where, you know, in America, in the Western world, the, the vegan diet is highly processed food. Most people aren't eating fresh ass straight from the jungle fruits and vegetables to sustain them yeah. as the vegan diet. So that makes a lot of sense that, you know, the food you're eating, the thing that I've thought a lot about, I'm trying to like, think about like, what is my ethos around food these past like many years and experience I've had in wilderness course in regenerative agriculture, understanding, you know, is it, is it carnivore? Is it vegan? Is it low carb? Is it keto? All these things. And it's like, well, ultimately what you're trying to get from food is life force. You want your food to be as alive mm. as possible when you're consuming it. That's why processed food is bad. Even if it's like the hundred percent grass fed, whey protein powder or whatever hundred, you know, organic vegan protein powder, like all of these, these bars mm -hmm. and, and all of that stuff, like everything that's processed is, is fairly devoid of that life force of these enzymes of these mm -hmm. things that you could do mm -hmm. esoteric and you could do physical, right. Esoteric devoid of the life force of the spirit of where that thing came from, of the nature and everything that it's connected to physically, scientifically, literally devoid of enzymes, devoid of those nutrients, um, all of those mm -hmm. things. So that's something you were, you were getting a lot of that. So that's, um, that's the way to do it, you know, is when you can get it from that life force. So it makes sense that you still felt like peaceful and, and connected and all of those things. Um, and there was one other thing I was going to kind of mention. Oh, yeah, for the, the spiritual aspect, I think, too, is like, you weren't, um, you know, you weren't fasting. You said you were eating a lot. And if you were eating a lot of things that your body doesn't normally necessarily eat, your digestion was still probably like, was kind of having to work hard because you were eating like a shit ton of stuff. Sure. 
So that kind of makes sense. Maybe, you know, you weren't doing that like lower calorie restricted diet where you can like let the spirit come in and stuff. So, um, that, cause that's something I just got off of like a seven day gut reset. So it's like mm. three, it's three days of fasting, um, bone broth only. And then four days of nice. like, um, calorie restricted. So you're under 500 calories. So it's still supposed to be your body's in that fasted state, mm-hmm. but you're getting really specific nutrients. That's that, the key, yeah. yeah. So that your brain can function. So it was stuff like liver, shiitake mushrooms, tahini, and then like microgreens and like beets. That was like the only thing for like four days after that. And I am a new person, like literally a new wow. person. And wow. I've done that gut reset before. Um, I try to do it like every I don't know, like quarter or something. And just when I know I've been off track and I was like pretty off track, um, just right mm-hmm. before I did it, um, for me, right. It's all relative. Like I was nothing crazy probably compared to the average person, but I was like drinking a little bit. Right. I was smoking some stuff. I was kind of just, you know, I was back at home and just with, you know, not in my mm-hmm. environment and was just like around my family and everything wanted to partake. Um, but where I'm at in my life, I'm like, it's pretty stressful. I'm having to like be really creative. I'm, I'm just like very aware, like there's no routine in my life right now. So it's like very obvious for me when, Mm. when I'm a little bit off because I'm just like way more stressed out. I'm scattered. Um, Mm. you know, my, my cycle and my hormones and stuff. That's something I'm getting like way more attuned to is like when that's off, um, and all that stuff. So it's just like incredible the shift that I've had. Um, and it was, it's only seven days, but like it's it. And I, and it's cool because you got to have the the three days of fully fasted and then the four days of like, you're still fasted, but you are eating food. And even that mm. is pretty different. Where like the first three days is like, I'm, I'm so internal. I'm just like, not at all concerned with like what's going on outside of me I'm just like internal and I can get those downloads it's just like it's happening it's easier and then you start eating a little bit of food and you're like oh okay I can pay attention to what's going on around me I can talk to people I can be more conversational but you're still kind of fasted and then now that I'm just like back to normal and like eating the food and it's just like you're so aware what food actually does for you. You're like, Oh, my Mm -hmm. literal capacity to handle more things is just increased. Like I can, I'm just like doing so much. I'm like, I'm covering, I'm like at this Airbnb right now, like covering for autumn, like managing this place where Mm -hmm. there's like five different rooms that like guests are coming in. I'm like taking meetings. I'm still trying to like create my business and like I was not at all in that place. Like a week ago, I was like, I was kind of freaking out, which is why I decided to do the gut, the gut reset. But like, it's just so clear. It's like this ability to like, literally your capacity to just, to just take on the world is, is astronomically increased. And I mean, I'm obviously, it's not just food, but it's like meat. So I'm back kind of on, I'm trying, I'm doing carnivore ish. I'm eating a lot of meat. I'm eating a lot of calories. And, um, so that's something that I've really noticed. And so for you, you know, you got to have the contrast kind of, of the vegan diet. And then you kind of, is it right after that you went pretty strict carnivore 
and you got to do that contrast. How was that? Yeah. 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 Um, it was, well, first of all, let me say that gut reset sounds dope. I, uh, I do, I do typically a one to two day fast each month and then a two to four day fast once a quarter. And I always feel like it's such a reset. I feel so good afterwards, but I would love to, to do the one that you did for the full seven days and like actually, you know, function with that, that lighter food. So we should follow up on that. I'd love to get the details from you. For sure. Um, yeah. So I, okay. So I left Costa Rica and I spent one week in Mexico. Uh, so I had like a, uh, my, my reintroduction to eating meat was like, like Mexican street food, which I love yeah. and is not the food that I would be eating like long-term every day, but, um, but that was like a lovely reintroduction. And then I went back to Wisconsin, my family, my family all lives in Wisconsin and two of my best friends are, are married to each other and they live there and uh, I, I'll go stay with them, you know, whenever I visit home and I was ready for just ready for like some consistency and a little break from traveling after being on the road so much for for like six or eight months. So I went and stayed with my friends in Wisconsin for four weeks. And my friend Brad, who I was staying with, he has been doing an animal based diet for a couple months. So he does like the, he does like the Paul Saladino heart and soil version where you're eating mostly grass-fed beef, including organ meat, um, a little bit of veggies, like, like zucchini. There's like zucchini, avocado, cucumbers, olives, dates, fruit, um, and then dairy as well. Being from the dairy state, us Wisconsinites love our dairy. Nice. And, Do, um, can you get and you raw get, dairy easily? So, so it's actually... So normal places are not allowed to sell raw milk, but there is a farm that's like, it's like an hour outside of Milwaukee where my friends live. So we, have, we haven't gone yet, but there's this farm that has like, they've got some kind of like membership. You pay like $2 a year and you get to be like a member and then they're allowed to sell you their raw milk. Yeah. So, so we haven't got raw. You can get a, it's pretty easy to find like grass fed, grass finished A2 milk. And yeah. there's like, um, there's like a butcher shop a two minute drive from my friend's place that is actually a local regenerative farm in Wisconsin that sells their stuff at the butcher shop. So you can get really like high quality stuff. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going, I'm going for it. I'm going to do it strict for four weeks. And it was a total 180 from everything I experienced in the jungle. Damn. Granted again, keeping, you know, I also was like in a more comfortable environment and with people I'm familiar with, and I was going to the gym all the time, you know, a bunch, you know, I was getting sleeping great. And so there were other factors at play, but like I, in these four weeks, I regained all the weight that I lost. I was just loving the, like crushing at the gym, feeling so much energy, like excellent workouts and, and not to give to TMI. I don't know how deep you want to go on this, but like, I, 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 was the horniest I've been since I was like 22 years old. I'm 32 right now. I literally felt like I was in college again, like, like crazy, like crazy high libido, like so noticeable and like so much higher 
than any other time in my adult life. Um, and my nail, my fingernails and my toenails started growing faster. Nice. Like, like so much faster. It was really noticeable is that yeah. I was like, looking down, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I kind of do want to like, cause you mentioned, do you think that like, you mentioned that you noticed your libido being really low when you were in there. Like, did you, was that because you felt the contrast and then looking back, you were like, Oh, it was really low back then because it's so high now. Or like, what were sort of, how did you feel that it was low when it was low? Like, were you like, how did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I, I noticed it like towards the end of my time at Punta Mona. So, so like, I think it was towards the end of my time. I sort of just like reflected back on the last few weeks and I was like, oh, I didn't, I mean, I had no like sexual activity with any people there anyway, because there, there's like having to be no romance there. But um, actually I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. There actually was, there actually was a woman also at Punta Mona at the same time as me that we like had some vibes and I, I think I normally would have like pursued this situation because we had like, we had like a great connection. We had all these amazing conversations, like whatever she, I thought she was really good looking. And, and I just didn't feel compelled to like move that into anything physical at the time. At first I was thinking it was just because I'm like really focused internally right now. And I'm really focused on my meditation practice and and like spirituality is really like the, this is like a spirit quest for me this this trip right now um and i also have a i'm not like in a romantic relationship but i have a very close girlfriend who we had like a sort of like a part-time relationship we travel together and sometimes and we have like a romance and we travel together um so i was kind of like you know maybe it's just like i'm just like good I, i'm focused on myself and don't need this thing whatever but then I was reflecting back and I also I think I masturbated like once or twice in 30 days while I was at this place which is which is like very low and compared to my my standard nice and and men you know and and I didn't notice this at the time when I was at Pensacola but the thing I noticed is like a week into the animal-based diet was that I was waking up in the middle of the night and the morning with like very strong erections, mm. which again is something that like happened for sure when I was younger, like in high school and college for sure, maybe in my early 20s, but like this is like a noticeable increase in frequency and strength that that was a very like apparent that it was it was like a stark contrast to the, the weeks prior. Yeah. That's super interesting. I, I feel like that's something, you know, it's not, there are obviously like different factors for, for women, as far as like noticing those things, different phases in your cycle that you will be or won't be necessarily as much, but something that I've been like way more attuned to recently, just because the nature of like my life and like what I'm trying to do is that idea of like pursuing something and like that, that is like so like yeah your libido and you're like cool you know getting with women or or whatnot but what that also helps you do is like 
outside of just pursuing like women or a sexual mate, it's like that pursuit of goals and like of, of opportunities and of like, um, like that's something that's been huge for me since I've been doing this gut reset. And like, cause I, I did, I did this thing, like normally I'm pretty good and like thinking about even right. Like when I, I first moved to Austin, um, doing the farm box, like my whole journey in the summer was like a ton of like having to network and like, right. I moved here and I didn't know anyone. And it's like going out there and getting opportunities. And like, I'm just, I like all of this started because there was like, um, Evan Duvall. I don't know if you've seen him easy. Does it, he had like a podcast and stuff. Um, like I had never sold anything before or done anything. And I just landed in Austin. I'm like, what I'm going to, what am I going to do? I have to go just go start talking about this regenerative agriculture stuff. I don't know how, I don't know, like what the fuck, like literally no plan when I got to Austin. And, um, the first thing was like, Hey, um, you know, it was very, the reason I decided to do it was because it wasn't very strict. It was very open. It was like, this is the first event vendors can come here. If you've never done it, it was more of that, like beginners. I could tell it was like, if you're just a vendor and you're just getting started, like come and do it and set up a booth. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I'm not mm-hmm. selling anything. I didn't have a product at the time, but I was like, I'll fucking make something up. Like I'll bring bone broth. Like I'll just go talk about, I'll have like posters and stuff like really random, but I was doing those types of things. And slowly as like, I was doing a lot of that at the beginning slowly every once in a while like that's something I've been so much more attuned to is like when I get really nervous or have like an anxiety about doing Mm. something like that or like going and having to like have that conversation or like reach out to that person I'm like okay why am I so anxious about this like why am I so nervous like oh my diet's kind of been off like that's really interesting Mm. and like most Mm -hmm. recently this like contrast of like the last couple weeks to like right now it's just incredible that subtle notice I'm like wow I have confidence to like go reach out to that person like um like right now I'm I'm in the midst of like talking with um Kyle Kingsbury so like they Aubrey bought some land in central Mm -hmm. Texas and Kyle um like reached out to me and was like hey we like want you involved we want to do regenerative stuff like let's get together and like I'm still trying to figure out how to like sell the farm box more seriously and so like I just had a meeting on it with like hey can we get a drop site set up here so I'm not just like doing deliveries so like I'm doing a lot of that type of stuff right now so it's very Mm -hmm. obvious for me but I want I want to like highlight that for like that is kind of what like libido is is like our drive pursue things and like confidence to kind of go and get it um these guys are here for this washer okay i we can keep we can i can let them in we can keep going do you have to go or what i don't have to go so if you have time i'd love to continue yes let me let me let them in i'll I'll, yeah that is um that's a great story and uh and I love that you shared that. And it's, it highlights something that I, you know, I, I talk about this with some frequency and I believe it, but I, I think that, that we have like a lot of room for growth in like society and culture of acknowledging that everything in our body 
which includes our consciousness and our spirit is related. And we're fooling ourselves if we think we can have, you know, if we think we can be at the top of our performance at work or the top of our performance with our relationships with our family, but be eating low quality processed food. Or we think that we can be, you know, sexually healthy, even if we're neglecting our emotional well-being and these other areas of our lives, relationships with our family. It, it's just these things that I really believe these things are all related. And that's that's such a beautiful example of like, of like, you know, we think of libido or as just like, you know, in the culture, we think of it just like, oh, I want to fuck, I'm horny. But really, we're talking about like this fire and this tribe that lives inside of us and that like this, this energy to be going out and, and accomplishing whatever we want to accomplish, not necessarily just reproducing. Yeah. And like, this is a more recent like thought I've been having. And so I'll have to like, keep, keep diving into it a little bit more, but like, I've always sort of, um, it's interesting. Cause like right now specifically, I'm doing some of these things that are more, intensely needing that confidence but throughout my life like a lot of the feedback I've gotten like even when I was younger and stuff like I always sort of had this like confidence and this sort of like I didn't really care what other people thought of me like I was pretty good at making friends and so it's like if I don't really like you like I, I don't know like I didn't have this like codependent thing that sometimes makes people like well there's other people over here and I'm not really sure like I also didn't grow up you know it's totally different for youth these days with social media and all of those things it's like a lot harder but I didn't really have that growing up um and just recently so I was back home and my parents you know still remind me of these things give you good feedback and stuff and so I'm like oh yeah okay like I I always had this confidence even when I was like five and stuff and you'd go out and play with neighborhood kids and like I was kind of the younger one I had an older brother so a lot of the Mm -hmm. kids in the neighborhood were like older and it's like you know people that were four years older than me would try to like bully me and I'm like dude I don't care like I'm not gonna hang out with you like you can't have my cds you're trying to bully me fuck off (laughs) like those kinds of things but Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I think as like a girl too, I was thinking about this in like in basketball and growing up, like I, I also like ate a lot all the time. Like obviously growing up, I didn't necessarily eat a carnivore diet or I didn't have these, like, you know, these frameworks of, of whatever, like health necessarily, but, um, I ate a shit ton. I never went on like a diet in high school or anything. Like I tried to eat healthy, but I was never that one to be like, Oh, I like can't eat this or like, and you know, being a girl, like a lot of my friends would, and I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Like, so that's something more recently I've been thinking about where like that. And, and again, it's still prevalent right now. Like I'll see other women who are like depriving themselves for like weight loss. And it's not just meat or no meat. I think that's a huge factor but it's also like amount of food mm-hmm. to just be like sustainable, like sure. sustaining yourself. So that's something more new and esoteric. I'm just like, Oh, that's so interesting. Like all growing up, I like always ate a lot. I never went on a diet. I was never really like yeah. myself. And I've always had this like confidence and like sociability and like drive to like go pursue what I want. And I feel like that, that is a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, 
I think almost all of my close female friends have told me stories about some kind of relationship with food, particularly around the high school years that, you know, included some kind of restriction or some kind of judgment of eating certain types of food. Like there's so much that it gets wrapped up with body image and self-worth and food, particularly for women, not only for women, of course, but, um, but, but yeah, it's like, like you say, we're, we're talking about literally our life force, right? Like, like quite literally yeah. our bodies, like, like food is the only thing that we convert. I mean, some people would argue that you can, you know, convert sun, sun your genitals, you can convert sunlight and energy, but the jury's still out on that. Like, <laughs> like food is like the thing that our cells use to produce ATP that, that fuels every single thing that we do. So it's, it's like I, thinking about it in that way has helped me to, or just has, has guided me to think about food, not just as, oh, I should eat this or shouldn't eat that. It's like, how do I want to feel? And what's going to make me feel the way I want to feel? And that's going to dictate my dietary decisions in many cases. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. This theme of life force is like really big for me right now. So I feel like I'm going to create the life force diet. Um, I love that. Yeah, life force diet. It's, right? yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. It's like, you, you know, you look at, you look at like carnivore diet guidelines and some, and I really like the, the like heart and soil, especially I, I really like their, their guidance on animal-based diet. But it's funny that I was looking at like an infographic they posted on Instagram that said, you know, eat the least inflammatory foods, don't eat the most inflammatory foods. And on the most inflammatory foods list, they included, I think they included asparagus, broccoli, or like a couple very like common green vegetables that are on that list. And I was thinking, okay, if you look at another popular guidance, say you look at the Bulletproof Roadmap, Bulletproof will say, asparagus and broccoli are among the most bulletproof foods. Like they're good for everybody to eat. And, you know, some of these like higher sugar fruits, actually, you should be more suspect of. And it's just like, you talk to five different, like popular, well-respected experts or leaders in the food space. And you can hear five totally different conflicting things, um, which is like something that kind of frustrates me about the space, but also leads me to believe that, that we just have to like, recognize that our our bodies are unique and and just like test and see what works for you and and ultimately like i don't know if there's a i don't know if there's ever i don't think we're ever going to come up with the perfect human diet that's like good for everybody so i think uh, you got to figure out what gives you that life force if you can find a way to measure life force that that would really that would be the the real key well okay so i have i have a lot to say on this so two things well, so first of all, this is, I think what I am like, really my gears are turning about trying to put this together is like, so my understanding of agricultural practices really gives me a purview of like what those things mean and why that might be the case. So for example, like the carnivore diet in the United States makes a lot of sense because of the prevalence of pesticides and herbicides and all the shit that we're putting on our stuff. So these, so for him to say that like broccoli and asparagus are some of the most inflammatory is, has a lot to do with, you know, if you've seen like the dirty dozen lists or the like clean 
13 or whatever, those types of things, like that's sort of mm-hmm. the, the theory behind it where like broccoli in its essence, if you're living in fucking Costa Rica or wherever you did your permaculture thing, that broccoli is going to have a lot of life right. and it's going to be awesome for you. Here in the States, the average broccoli that you're going to go get from the store is not the same. And it's, it's sprayed with glyphosate. Sprayed. Comes from, right. Absolutely. Um, and, and if you think, I also do love like having a wilderness understanding kind of of like these, of like botany. It makes a lot of sense what Paul Saladino <laughs> talks about where like the fruit is literally produced for you to eat it. The plant right. wants you to eat it. That is like the right. purpose of the fruit. The, right. these veggies and nuts and seeds and stuff they actually like cannot be eaten because it won't the plant won't survive if you eat the nuts and the seeds so so it produces toxins on purpose for you to not be able to eat it and so a lot of those types of things and like it should be so like you said measure life force there's actually things brewing people coming out with like, how, can we start measuring the nutrient density of foods, mm. which, which in an mm. essence would be the life force. And, and we can, and they're doing it and trying to make it more mainstream. But that's, those are one of the things that I want to try to, I'm like, have this understanding of like, okay, it's totally contextual. If you have a garden and you're getting all of your veggies from your garden, sure, eat those veggies and you don't have to be full carnivore or not. But if you don't have that access and you can't get fresh vegetables or you're living in a cold place and all they're doing is shipping these vegetables to you, like none of those veggies, even if they were originally grown in a really good way, are going to have a ton of life force. It's going to be diminished the farther away you ship it. So like meat is this amazing thing where it's taking the, the you know a cow hopefully in the ideal situation is taking this fresh grass eating it at its most fresh point and then converting it up regulating it into muscle for us to be able to have access to that all the time when it doesn't need to be this like fresh ass vegetable and meat isn't sprayed with glyphosate I mean there's lots of you know factors in that but overall it's this like amazing ability that animals have to to uptake these things for us to be able to eat it so I really think that that has a lot more to do with like these carnivore diets that are coming out where it's like yeah if you're living in India or you're living somewhere where there's really high access to amazing quality produce. Like maybe you don't need to be carnivore, but if you're not living in that place, it makes a lot of sense to do this carnivore type diet. So yeah, this essence of life force, I think has a lot to do with starting to understand some of these agricultural practices and how we're diminishing the life force of these foods. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Such, such a great point. That's, that's so poignant what you said about, the the you know not just looking at what you're eating not just is it organic or not but what's the actual environment it was grown in what's the nutrient quality of the soil how far did it transfer you know if you're shipping it that kind of stuff like it's like these are the nuances i think often get lost um and uh and and yeah for me if there's some way we can measure if there's some way we can like measure or rate food 
on those factors. Wow, that would be that'd be such a step forward. Dude, so get this. You'll understand the excitement of this. So you're familiar with Anthony Gustin? I don't think so. Oh, the perfect keto, the brand? Perfect keto? Like these? I don't know. I even know this brand. Let me see that. Let me see that. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen it before. Okay. I haven't lived in the U.S. for like three That's and a half true. years, four years now. So okay. I don't Absolutely. see. I'm like, like I'll go, I'll go back, I'll go like visit home, and and I'll go to Whole Foods, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like I like it's like I buy everything in sight. I'm like all these new things that are new to me that probably aren't even new products. Like amazing. That's true. Yeah, and they're not in stores. Like they're just online and stuff. And it's like a local Austin oh, cool. company. Well, you would really like cool. him. So I found like Paul Saladino and stuff like all through him. Um, so he was originally started. It was like the keto podcast, but now the podcast is called the Natural State Podcast. And he's like he started I've heard of that. with. I've heard of okay. the Natural State. Yeah. Okay, so that's him. Um, and he lives in Austin. Um, and I followed him for years. And I actually um, just got to meet him accidentally at this like event that I went to out in Austin. Um, and then he just posted a post. So you should actually go look at it. Um, it was like, so it was on Instagram. He posted a post about like, can we something I'll follow him right now? What's his Instagram? Yeah. Um, I think it's just, I think it's Dr. Anthony Gustin. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Gustin got it. Yeah. So like that most recent post, he's talking about, um, you know, like all the micronutrients that are in meat um, as a comment back to some like plant-based doctor saying that meat was worthless. And um, so, yeah, then he's saying like push makes me want to push the transparency of nutrient density in animal products and nutrients from properly raised food being superior, like Mm. testing each product for the nutrient content. Yeah. Is there, do you know if like technology that could be used to physically test the food? Yeah. Like even if you didn't know the origin? Yeah. I do. And I think that's what he's talking about. Um, Cause when I was at like my holistic management course with the Saber Institute earlier this year, I'll have to look back at like, who's doing it. Um, Cause there's a name and they're like working on it and it's like out there and you can Google it. So I'll try to like, look at what that is. Um, but that is what, I think that's probably what he's talking about. Like he knows who, who's doing that and stuff. And so there are ways Um and so he's actually like, I kind of want to start this. I would need an operator, like reach out to me if you are interested. And I obviously reached out and I was like, Hey, we just met like a couple weekends ago. And I don't know if you know me, I was like fangirling you. And it was like, yes. it was like a group where it was supposed to be his friends and stuff. And so I think he was kind of like, and I didn't know that he was going to be there. So I was just like, so it's kind of funny I like said that and then he so I reminded him of that and was like I'm interested in this thing and he was like oh yeah I know who you are like oh fuck like he knows who I am and he's like yeah let's do this like what's your capacity right now do you have a job all this stuff so that just happened basically like yesterday so I'm really excited about like what that is going to appear to be um but the nutrient density of food that's like the whole thing the life force and so there are ways i think that's the way forward is like what we're going to start talking about and like being able to actually measure 
I love this. I love this. I think, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking of you like throwing back raw liver, which <laughs> I still have, have not done yet. I was going to, I was going to do the end of my carnival month and I forgot. And I, I, but I will, I will do it. But now I'm thinking, I mean, maybe, maybe we just start eating live animals. I mean, you go grizzly bear style, grab a salmon out of the river, eat that thing while it's still alive. Right. I would, you know, fish for sure. Other animals we would have to see, but I would be, I would be that person. That's like the next step for sure. (laughs) There are some, I think actually this is, I think this happens with like, I think there's some kind of seafood. There's some, some certain, the termites and the termites in Costa Rica, those were live, that life force. Yeah. Honestly, like bugs and stuff. How was that? The termites were totally fine. It's, it grosses people out to, I mean, I'm sure probably not you, but people here a lot, termites are like the heebie-jeebies, but, but they're so small and they're not, they're not so crawly. Like they're so, they're, they're so small that you don't really feel them crawling around or anything. Like you just bunch on them and they taste kind of like a citrus flavor. Oh, okay. So I feel like it would be hard do you bite them or do you just like swallow them? And are they like trying to like <laughs> crawl so out? You get, so the way we did it was you get the big, it's a big nest and you, you just kind of like break it open and then you hold a stick up to it and they climb onto the stick. And then you just like, like kind of suck them off the stick. So there were only a few termites at a time. I mean, this is like, this is a survival course, right? So you're not, I mean, you'd have to eat a lot of termites to sustain yourself with high amounts of calories, but you know, in a pinch, you get them little by little. They were, they're so small and there were so few of them that you kind of just swallow some of them. You kind of chew them. It, it kind of just all, kind of just all goes down. Nice. That's awesome. That's so interesting. I'm trying to think if I ate bugs in my course. I mean, I've done like the, like the, I've had like the package, like crickets and stuff and like other countries mm-hmm. and just like, I've eaten those. Um, but like, did I do, and some classmates ate these giant cave crickets. I did not partake in that, but like these giant ones and they have really long, weird legs. Um, you do get live bugs in, you know, you can get them in the Amazon. They have these slugs. They're like this thick, this long. I saw them in Peru. Years ago, I saw them in Peru. And I actually, I don't know. Maybe they are. They, I've, I've heard, I didn't try them when I was there. I, I would if I went again now. I think I've heard they taste kind of like nutty. Yeah. And sometimes they're roasted, but some but people eat them live too. And th- those, are, those are like big boys. I mean, that's probably, you're probably like 100 calories in one of those. Yeah. We learned about all those things kind of, you know, as you're learning about like survival food. Like bugs are huge, snakes, frogs, like all of these things are, are big yeah. time, like good for you. You have to be a little careful, like some of the slugs and like parasites and stuff. You want to like know some of that. Um, but yeah, it's like, that's what I think that that's why like some of these perspectives of living in other countries of doing something like a survival course, you start to actually understand this aspect of survival and like what food is and like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like this Western world of being really privileged and just like having a grocery store of like all of these foods that are just like available to you. And, you know, the vegan diet 
if you're not living somewhere like Costa Rica is incredibly privileged. Like you cannot do mm. that in a rural or, or not even just not even rural, but like non super urban city life. Like you can't come out here even right. like 45 minutes away. And if you're trying not to be shopping at these grocery stores, you can't do that. And like, as we're stepping into this sort of new, new outlook on the world, I think where we recognize because of COVID, like, wow, are these massive global supply chains aren't totally resilient? Like, what if all of a sudden we got mm. into another conflict with China and like, we didn't have all this shit being shipped in that we're so dependent on? Like, what is my local food source? that I can start to get and that is definitely like my perspective that I've been fortunate enough to have and and it sounds like anytime we travel like your ability to it's like what what's this like self-reliance like ability to actually survive how do we get that food what is like the easiest most nutrient dense way to sustain my life and it's always going to come back to animal products so when we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, getting mm-hmm. rid of meat and, and go, everyone going vegan, you are 100% dependent on the government or someone else for your food if you're eating that way. Right. So that's right. something that's right. like hugely right. prevalent for me nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. For me, yeah. yeah. I, I'm inclined to think that we, we're always going to have this argument of like, what's better for the environment? What's worse? What's better for health? What's worse? Because there's so much nuance. And the only way we can get over that is by people reconnecting with their food. And I mean, maybe I'm, I'm sort of projecting a little bit here, because this is why I became interested in the survival scene. And why I want to actually do more in that space is because I just think there's a, we, we've lost so much with the fact that most people now think of their food as something that's in a package that they go and pick up off of a shelf and they don't even think about it being a product of the earth. And by extension, then we don't think about human beings being a product of the earth. And, and that's been one of the biggest perspectives that I've gained and, and things that I've really learned this year um, from time living in the jungle, from time spent with various indigenous peoples in Mexico and in Costa Rica is this felt experience of human beings being a part of the earth and of us being sustained also by the earth and the things that the earth provides that we can, we can receive directly. And, and, and this is where you have like the wisdom of indigenous peoples and, and what I think we've really gotten lost in the consumerist culture. Um, not, not that I'm inherently opposed to like consumerism and capitalism, but just by product of this, like, you know, mass feeding and supermarkets and everything else that comes with that culture is we've just like totally forgotten that like how planet earth really works. And when you, when that, when you get to participate in it and see it and feel it, it's so magical and wondrous 
that I think a lot of other things sort of fall into place. Totally. I love that. Yeah. It is magical and wondrous. And like your, yeah, your senses are engaged. That's what like, right. Living in the jungle or like doing something like a survival course, you're like, wow, I like my entire being has to be engaged in this present moment for me to literally survive because I have to know what to eat. I have to smell it. I have to taste Mm -hmm. it. I have to be aware of what was growing around it. I can't just eat this fruit if there's mold on it. Like your whole being is Mm -hmm. you're present. You have to, and you're using every part of it. You're using your senses. You're using your brain. You're using your gut to just your intuition to like assess your environment and understand like, can I eat this? Am I going to die? Or is it going to give me life? And, and knowing that everything is dying to give you life, like plants, animals, Mm. mushrooms, Mm. you know, we have this, this is actually a good thing that I've learned to try and like, um, speak the right language to certain people in our, in our, in this like Austin culture and like a lot of fit for service people who might be vegan or vegetarian, but then they, um, you know, take psilocybin and like eat mushrooms and you're like okay so you Mm. have this understanding that this came from a mushroom that is the infinite intelligence of the universe in your mind it's like alive right you think this mushroom was alive yes Mm. you're, you're eating it and you're killing it and you're that is why you get the life force because you're taking it from that being so you're, you're here, you're eating this, this mushroom and you're able to, to accept that you can eat that, kill it. It becomes part of you. Why can't you, how is that different than an animal? Mm-hmm. How is that different than an animal? Arguably this fungus and mushroom is more intelligent and conscious. Hence you taking it having a, having a spiritual experience more conscious than an animal. Yeah. And I've actually had a lot of light bulbs turn on for people where they're like, oh, shit. (laughs) So, um, I love that. I love that. It's such a great point. We assume because, yeah, animals have eyeballs and we also have eyeballs. We assume like, oh, they're just like us. They're this bifurcation of what is alive and conscious and what is not alive and conscious, I think is, I mean, is being challenged by real science. Right, we know that trees communicate through fungi actually with each other, and and so there's a lot of these. I think I think we have a lot of these distinctions in our mind, and we love to categorize and label things. And we say, all right, this is a human being, and then an animal. Well, that's kind of like a human being because it has a spirit similar to mine, but plants they certainly don't. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how science unfolds in the coming years to see if some of those assumptions that we've made maybe are, are actually broken down and, and, you know, you, you get into, I, I think that you can get into a place where not, you know, no longer are you thinking, Oh, I like many indigenous people do and say, actually everything is alive everything has spirit everything feeds everything else and that is what is so wondrous about this whole situation that we're living in 
And when you recognize that you are taking the life, like the ability to accept that something is dying for you to eat it is how you gain that reverence and respect for it and you don't waste it. And so even this with plants or with fungi or anything, mm-hmm. if we don't, if we're actually thinking that like plants don't have this consciousness and we're, we don't have an idea that like we're killing it to eat it, we're, we're still wasting we waste plants all the time. We waste meat. 40, sure. When people talk about meat being sustainable or not, we waste 40% of animal products in the United States. Wow. It's crazy. And I don't know what this is. Like, I think that's overall. I think that's probably food. I'm not sure the distinguisher between like if there is plants or animals, but like this whole concept of waste is this idea that like we don't have a reverence for that thing. And so really right. the, the understanding that it is coming from earth, it is killing whatever you're doing to, to sustain you. Like our purpose on this earth is to die, right? We know we're all going to die. That is inevitable. So it's not the avoidance of the death. It's like the appreciation of the death that I think we really have to look at. And that's like the biggest thing that we don't really have an understanding or an appreciation of in the Western world specifically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well said. The question for me becomes, how do you get people to have, you know, in what kind of either education or experiences can lead people to gain this broader perspective, uh, you know, on, that, that we're talking about? Yeah, you go to a survival course and you go out in the wilderness for a couple of weeks or you go hunting and you, you know, clean an animal yourself you can really feel that experience, but obviously not everybody's going to do that. So like, what are the intermediary steps from like shopping at a supermarket and buying macaroni and cheese on the shelf to actually like gaining some appreciation for a plant as something that's living and dying and, and transferring energy. I think that's a great question. It's something I, I think about often I'm thinking about right now. Um, so one thing that I'm actually doing that I, I'm really excited for is like with Halloween coming up um, on the day of the dead, we're going to do a workshop and it's going to be like a regenerative dinner. And it's going to be, we're going to talk about like what the day of the dead even means. Mm. And sort of, I think the whole idea, um, like there's a funny, there's a fun movie that's a cartoon that more recently came out and I can't remember the name of it right now, Um, but it is about the day of the dead. And so like, I watched this movie like last year and um, like- Is it a Pixar movie? I think so. Yes, it's called, uh, I forget the name of it, but I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it really highlights like that and other cultures have it way more than the Western world, but it's like, they're, they're celebrating the dead. Right. It's not this like mourning, like, Oh my God, terrible thing. It's like this, like, Oh my God, like you got to go back to the earth. Like your spirit is still here with me. Like we're celebrating you. Like every year we're going to remember you and celebrate you. And it's that reverence for the dead. And it's the understanding. It's like the looking at it, right? It's like, we just like cover it up. We like avoid it. We're like, oh, put you in a box in the ground. And like, we don't ever like think about it again. We don't like to think about it. But I think Mm -hmm. it, it really starts with that. Like, let's look at like death and like what that is, because that's what I find is people's like 
as they start to be like, okay, maybe veganism, you know, maybe animal products are good for my health. Maybe I can start understanding regenerative. They can be good for the environment, but like this thing is dying. Like Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. do I, you know, how do I conceptualize that? So I don't know. I think it, it's like this cycle of life is what we need to talk about. We're just like, well, what does that mean when you die? Like, what is your physical body? What, what does happen to your physical body normally if we're not put in caskets and boxes, but like what happens to an animal out in the wilderness when you die? And like this whole idea of composting, this whole idea of what mushrooms and psilocybin even are like literally mushrooms and the intelligence of the universe is only happening because it's processing something that's dying. And then it turns into this like beautiful, amazing, literal wisdom of the universe that gives you this spirituality of all of consciousness. Right. Right. It's only happening because of the death process. Right. So that's given me a cool mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. at least wow. for like our group of people right now in Austin. Like I'm excited to start exploring that and sort of painting that picture for people to to start wrapping their minds around it i think it's just like we got to start looking at what death means <laughs> yes. and it's, yes. it's a it's a bigger picture of like how we're approaching this whole covid thing too right it's like oh well we just have this like crazy fear of death avoid death at all yeah. costs even if the quality of life yeah or the quality of your death is horrible, just avoid death, avoid death, run, run, run. And I don't think that we would be having that approach. Yeah. If we looked at it a little bit differently. Um, well, well said. Maybe if we, maybe we start eating live animals and we can feel their spirit transfer directly into us, then we're going to understand that death is just a a vehicle to beget life i think that is that might need to be next we might need to set up we might need to figure that out that'll be a side project for us (laughs) all right for sure yeah next time we get together let's do some research next time we get together in person we can commemorate our reunion by by some type of uh some type of live edible yes situation so i do want to ask like what's kind of next for you like are you First of all, like next, actually, like after Turkey and everything, but also like next, as far as like, what, what do you have like a dream that you're like, oh, I think I'm going to get in, step into the space. I'm still in the exploratory phase. Like, where are you kind of see the biggest opportunity or open door for you right now? For sure. For sure. One, one sec. Yeah. So I have, uh, I've got a two-part answer here. So so one of the, for at least one year. So I've like deliberately not been thinking about, you know, what do I want to do next for a career? Where do I want to live next? Like that kind of stuff is like, is like intentionally off my radar. And at the same time, not working and traveling all the time affords tons of creativity. So I actually have been having like a lot of creative ideas. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my time in terms of like planning for, 
for the future when it comes to career. I know, right, that, now that that's, wellness has become so broad, that could be, is that nutrition, is that fitness, Education and mindfulness is that you know there's a lot, but yeah, I'm like part that I'm interested in both mindfulness and nature. So those are kind of the the areas that I think about the most and that I like the most of my life. And pursuant to this conversation we're having right now, I've been the healing power. And I really believe that a lot of the discontentment and suffering in society today is a result of our disconnection with the earth and uh, the, like forgetting that human beings come from the earth and the forgetting that the earth can provide for us. And so that's something I think about a lot. And, and, then, and then also personally, my, my meditation practice, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm practicing Zen. It's, it's like really grown this year. It's been an important part of my life for all of my adult life, but, but it's like really taken center stage as, as like my primary spiritual practice and like something that has really like revolutionized, you know, you know, revolutionized my life in recent years. And, um, and so like, like mindfulness and self-awareness are, are also like things that I think about a lot. So that, I know that's a little bit of a vague answer, but that's, it's kind of deliberate because I, I'm deliberately giving myself the space to think creatively and think about like, all right, what types of like products or services or messages do people, you know, could help people in these kinds of spaces without thinking too much of like, Ooh, how am I going to make money when I'm done with this? And where am I going to live? And that's like such a, it's, it's actually been kind of a, a battle over the last year for me not to think that way because it's such a, such an American way of thinking. It's like, where are you going to go next? What are you going to do? Like, how are you going to get rich? Yeah. And, and I'm making a deliberate effort to give myself space and trust that life is going to guide me in exactly the direction that I'm supposed to go. And already uh, that's happening in, in the sense that I'm extending this sabbatical longer than a year. I said I wanted to do one year minimum when I started and it's just become very clear to me that this is probably the, the only time in my life I'm going to have the level of independence that I do right now. Uh, yeah, I was able to save money from the first 10 years of my career sufficiently that, that I, I have you know, enough padding to travel for longer. I have no you know, kids like real estate that I, you know, like, I don't like a house that I didn't, yeah, it's any kind of like traditional things that would tie one down. I don't have at this particular moment in my life. So, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to keep cruising until I feel I've sufficiently done the things that I want to do so that I can confidently start to make some commitments. And I don't feel like I have missed out on anything that I want to do. Awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. And I think we should definitely talk more post this call about like actual product services messages because we obviously really aligned on a lot of things and that's like exactly where I'm at and I do have some 
a lot of ideas um, and they're kind of big ideas, um, but certainly like digital marketing and media and technology and that stuff is like what I need help with. And so I feel like you would really have a good, good set of skills to, to know how to really implement some of these ideas and stuff like that. So I'd love to talk more about real, real ideas and, and what, what sort of things you've thought about. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's follow up for sure. I, um, I've got, I've got this, like the marketing and advertising and tech stuff from like, uh, you know, that was like the technical nature of my work. And from an operational perspective, I have this like, like really strong, uh, experience in sales and business development and managing team operations because I was, you know, I launched this business in Australia and, and did, for this like general management work. So I've got a lot of like, like I'm like really confident that once I like line up with the thing that I'm excited about and with the right people, particularly the people who have a more uh, like technical foundation in the space than I do, right? Like you are an expert as it comes to uh, like regenerative and, and, you know, the food science and environmental science and like sort of all the, the more technical things that you're working on. Um, I'm sort of like confident that I've just got to find the right place to plug myself in. And, and like, that's what I'll end up looking for is, is where I can like apply the, like the skills and the relationships and like the resources that I have. So let's keep talking about it for sure. Amazing. For sure. So what's next um, for you just this, this year, what trips do you have planned? What are you going to do post Turkey? How long are you there for? Yeah, so I'm planning to be in the Middle East for about two months. Wow. I've got, I've been in Turkey for a week. I'm going to do another probably two weeks here, Jordan. I was going to do Jordan, Israel, but Israel is like closed to tourism for the most part right now because of COVID. So I think that's not going to be accessible. So I may do Jordan, then Egypt, but I haven't planned out the exact route and I haven't booked flights and stuff yet because I'm going with a more free-flowing backpacker style at the moment so um so I'll be in Turkey for a couple weeks go to Jordan see what happens maybe go to Egypt uh so that'll take me to December I'm coming back to the states for a couple weeks for the holidays I'm going to Costa Rica for a wellness retreat over New Year's I've got uh, a couple of friends I'm friends with a couple who are amazing there's amazing human beings. They're, they're yoga and fitness and meditation instructors. Uh, and they also run, I think I told you about the, the hunting retreat that they run. They do this, like this, like ceremonial hunting yeah. um, in California. So it's oh. the, they're doing a wellness retreat in Costa Rica. So I'm doing that for new years. And then I'm still deciding what I'm going to do after new year's. I may stay in Latin America for a little bit, or I may come back to the States to go to Zen meditation retreat. So January is kind of up in the air, but after that, I think I'm going to go to India. Ah, wow. India has been calling to me for years. It's a place that I, I, I almost went a couple of times. Like had COVID not happened, I would have been, I would have been traveling there for business because I was doing business with India um, for a few years while I lived in Sydney. And I just, I just love the people. I love the culture from my engagements with it. 
And it's, it's been just a place that I've felt drawn to for a long time. And so it's, it's like a, it's like a big trip, I think. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to buy a one-way ticket and go there and see what happens. That's so cool. I'm super, I'm like definitely not in a thinking about international travel mode, which I'm, I'm totally okay with, but I love, I'm like living yeah. vicariously through you. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> Can't wait to be yeah. in that yeah. space again, but doing a lot of exciting things here, but yeah, it's really, really awesome For sure. to, yeah. Even just seeing like what stuff you're doing in Turkey, what's been like the biggest, I don't know. What's like, have you done like biggest, like middle East? You're like, whoa. This is crazy. This is awesome. You know, I got here and I was sort of coming off the high of this like 10 days in Italy where I was like at this wedding with some very close friends of mine. It's like a beautiful setting. Um, I spent a week on a couple of days on the Amalfi Coast with a good girlfriend of mine. So it was like sort of like romantic, beautiful Italy. And then I got here and it was like my first day, it was like raining and cold. And like the people are like, not, the culture is like not as warm as a lot of other parts of the world that I've traveled to, right? It's like a little bit more, it's like a little more reserved because it's a big melting pot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people from different Middle Eastern countries here. Turkey itself has had just like, just as like a politically busy place for, for many, many years. And, um, and so I had a little bit of like, shell shock when I got here because I was kind of I just felt like very out of place and I have, I've been to Israel before but but just tell I just went to Tel Aviv for a few days for a wedding once that was my only like exposure to the Middle East so I felt like very foreign when I first got here I have since come to meet a few locals I have like um, a couple of local friends of friends here that I connected with and uh like I did a food tour here and a walking tour. And so I've gotten some of the like, engagements with local people and it's been fantastic. Like once I have sat down, actually gotten to know some local people, like they are so hospitable, so warm and friendly. Uh, it's got, this place has so much history and so much diversity. And for me as a person who grew up in the Midwest, United States, in like a conservative <laughs> religious education, conservative Christian religious education, I just like didn't learn anything about it the Middle East or, you know, like the history or the politics or the religious culture here. And so it's been fascinating and like, like an educational experience for me to just get to know the city. And it's a really, it's a, it's a huge city. It's got layers, 15 million people here. Um, and it's a, it's a real, like, you know, I, I'm, I've been here for a week. I'll stay for a few more days. So I've gotten to know it a little bit, but it's, you can tell it's one of these cities where you could spend years here and, and you can never, you, know, you would never stop uncovering um, new layers and types of people and experiences. So that's, it's, it's, it's been cool. Cool. That sounds so awesome. And the food has looked amazing. It's like almost, it's like carnivore-ish kind of <laughs> like olives and cheese. Yeah. The food and- is like, the food also the food's also very different. The olives and cheese obviously is not so different, but like the, like a lot of the flavors and the spices are different from other places I've been, but yeah, it's been, it's, I've been eating a ton of cheese, ton of lamb. I picked up some 
some lamb liver actually from a bodega just just earlier that I'm gonna eat for yeah. dinner. It's nice. been great. Try it's like you go into butcher. Yeah, <laughs> you go into a butcher. It's, it's, it's actually already cooked. It was in like a little case with already cooked with some spices. But I actually I walked into a butcher okay. and saw brains, lamb brains sitting in the butcher case. And I heard you can get lamb brain soup here. So I'm gonna look out for that in my last couple of days. I wanna see if I can find some of that. Awesome, that sounds great. That's super cool. Yeah, lamb liver, I so I like found some, it was funny cause yeah, one of the um, like farmer people that I work with, like um, he actually has his own, he's like the middleman basically. He like has his own refrigerated truck and just has like freezers and fridges all throughout his house. He's the one that helped me like deliver the farm boxes and stuff. Um, He, so he sources from all of the farms. And so he like had a bunch of lamb liver that he's just been giving me. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I like product tested it. And like, I didn't really like it or like it tasted different. Um, Let me know what you think. And like, I think lamb liver is like one of the best livers because it's much more mild. It doesn't quite have that like super irony taste. And like, if you think about it, it's like a really young animal, like mm-hmm. lamb is really young. And so like, it's, it's like extra healthy. It's hasn't been used a whole lot. It's like just so yeah, pure sure. and, and easy. And like, that's, yeah. If you can get your hands on lamb, lamb liver, that's like, that's the way to do it. That'd be the one to try raw for sure. Cause it's a little bit less. And like, you don't like the thing about raw too, is like, I'm not chewing it really. Like that one time I like maybe did just to like get it or I, just I like throw it back. Yeah. You kind of just swallow it. And like, you have small pieces and you're like, okay, like, yeah, it's just, you're not like, it's not for the taste, but I know what it's doing in my body. And I know how much right. more like nutrient dense it's going to be. And it's just like, I'll also do that even if I'm cooking the liver to like prime my body to like know what it's doing to like help digest it better. So it's like, Hey, here's like a couple, of, here's a couple pieces. You know what it is. You're getting that going more. Cause it's like raw. And then when you cook it, it's like, I feel like that, that helps a little bit to digest it and stuff. So yeah. Um, you are my, you are my carnivore role model. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> find some lamb liver at the butcher here and I will I will take a video of myself and give you a shout out awesome yeah lamb liver. please do cool well Kevin this is amazing this is a really good conversation there's so much more we didn't even hit on like so pemmican and everything so I definitely want to follow up pemmican. was it good like before we, we could dive in but like did you like it yeah I, we, I can talk about it quickly. It, it actually was super easy to make and, and tasted pretty good. Like it didn't, it didn't taste bad at all. The only thing that I would say is that the flavor is kind of neutral. It almost like didn't taste like much. Um, the way I did it was I had, I had the meat. So I dried the buffalo. I'd use bison meat. So I used ground bison. I dried that. I dried blueberries and then, uh, and then you powder both and you mix it together and then you take tallow and I add a little bit of raw honey to the tallow after I melted the tallow. So that really is what gave it the flavor. You had a little bit of the honey with the blueberries that kind of give it flavor. The meat after meat's dried, it tastes almost like nothing. I maybe would add a little more, I put a little salt in, but I maybe add a little more salt and a little more honey next time. Um, but it's like, it's such a great snack because you have a square that's maybe two inches by two inches and that will 
I mean, it's so calorie dense that that will sustain. I have, I have a big appetite and fast metabolism. Like always shoving food in my face. So I've like just have a nice little snack that I can eat in a few bites that I know is super healthy and calorie dense, nutrient dense is, is nice. So I'm going to make it again for sure. And you, you just used ground. That was the like cut you used. It was like already just ground. I used ground. Yeah. You can also do a thin slice. So I, I talked to them at the butcher shop and they're like, you know, we could, what you can do is you could get, if you wanted to get like a, whatever, like a beef shoulder or something and like, or like a chuck roast or whatever you want to get, you could um, throw it in the freezer so that it firms up a little bit, take it out before it's frozen, but, but put it in the freezer so it gets firm. So then you can slice it super thin because the key is you, you put it very thin on the baking tray in the oven. Um, and that as long as it's nice and thin at the oven on low temp with the door open, then the heat will just cause all the water to evaporate from the meat. Cool. Yeah. I really want to try making that. And then it's just like good forever. You're like, have a bunch of pemmican. It's survival food for you. Right. Stock your house with a bunch of dried meat. Yeah. It, it literally lasts for years. So yeah, to your point, you know, when the apocalypse comes and you don't, you're not able to go to the grocery store, it might not be a bad idea to have a couple of weeks worth of pemmican back in your fridge. Totally. That's so cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, this has been great. I want to end on like, maybe, uh, do you have any like quotes or affirmations that you've really been like carrying with you this year or like most recently that you're like, oh yeah, this is like, I need to like, mm sit on this for a while mm. okay okay uh yeah so i mentioned to you i've been practicing zen and so zen do you know anything about zen Mm-mm. meditation zen buddhism no so, so zen is a japanese sect of buddhism that is is purely the practice of meditation so there's no there's no beliefs, there's no cosmology, there's no memorization, there's no like information even. Zen is it's just sitting with a straight spine, with your eyes open and concentrating on your practice. And your practice could be counting your breath, following your breath, or working on a, a koan, which is like, it's kind of like a riddle, but it has no answer. And there's a longer de- definition to get into that we can get into another time. But but my practice is focusing on my breath. And so the purpose of Zen is, is you focus on your breath until your thoughts completely melt away. And once your mind is clear of thoughts, you can see reality for its true nature. And from that place, compassion and peace and joy naturally spring forth. Mm. That's, that's basically the idea. So, and it's, it's been phenomenal. Like my, you know, I've had a consistent meditation practice for, for a long time, but Zen has really like advanced me to a place where I feel like greater peace and equanimity much more consistently in my life. But, you know, naturally you still have thoughts that come up and I'm in a place where I'm, I'm very much, you know, I'm traveling, I'm backpacking, so I'm moving around all the time. And my life's in a lot of transition right now. I don't have a lot of stability. I don't have a lot of routine. And so I was kind of feeling a little like upended and unstable when I first got to Istanbul, like I was just mentioning. Well, I'm reading, I just finished reading a book called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. 
which is a very famous Zen book written in the 50s or 60s by a, a Japanese Zen master, Shin, Shin, Shinryu Suzuki is his name. And, um, oh, you know what? No, it wasn't him. I'm thinking of a different book. Thinking of the three pillars of Zen. The three pillars of Zen is another, another book that I read earlier this year. And, and in the three pillars of Zen, a different famous Japanese Zen master is quoted. And he's talking about Zen and uh, about sitting down in Zen meditation. You, know, you sit down in Zen meditation, it's called Zazen. And he's talking to one of his students and the student says, well, what if, what if I don't have a quiet place to meditate? And he said, the master says, when you first start practicing, sure, you might want a quiet environment so you can, can concentrate. But if your practice only works when everything is perfectly still and peaceful, it's not going to be a very useful practice for you. And he says, as your practice develops, you'll be able to do zazen in noisy environments too. In fact, the noisier, the better. And so that phrase, the noisier, the better, is one that I've been returning to mm. because I think it's easy for us to want to arrange our circumstances into everything is just right. I get just the right routine. I get just the right environment that I'm comfortable in. And I'm eating my diet just the way I want it. And my mind is totally clear. And then I'll be happy and content and peaceful. Mm. And so what I'm working on now is switching that around and saying, actually, it's great if there are things out of my control that aren't the way that I think I want them to be. And I'm going to use that as a part of my practice to accept it and embrace it and flow with life that way. I love that. That's so great. That's pretty pertinent to sort of where I've been sitting in the like past couple weeks. I mean, I've been there for like a year and part of me has been like not wanting to be there anymore. I'm like kind of ready for the next sort of like commitment and like to not be as nomadic and like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm not quite there yet, but, um, yeah, I've definitely thought that it's like, okay, if I have no control over my environment, that's even better to be like practicing my mental game and like, how can I just show up positively no matter what and like everywhere you are is where you're meant to be so like what is actually here for you like you know having that like faith that spirit spirit is taking me like I'm listening and following the answers and so it's like there's like a lot here for me and and all of that so that I'm definitely like resonating with that and something else I've been that mine I'm reading the book Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey I've been reading it all year it's actually been like a really oh yeah interesting like uh yeah it's been my almost like book of like me coming to Austin and I've I've like followed along it's like weird like some of the lessons that are going on in it it's like are happening in my life right then so it's been this like now I'm at this point where I'm like okay this is like my bible for this year type of thing um and so like one quote that I read recently that has been pertinent is like a lot of people think of an excuse not to do I think of an excuse to do so so it's just been like opportunities and you're like why would I do that what's going to be the outcome how is that going to get me to my next step or whatever and it's like well just this is an excuse to do it just like just try it something you've never thought of it's like an excuse to do it so that's something that is like one that's been most recently like guiding me so I love that I love that yeah 
Yeah, I think it's, it's, we get into a place where we say, oh, I can't see five steps ahead. So I don't want to take this one step. And we forget that after you take that step, things change. Your circumstances in your okay. life change. Maybe your perspective changes. So now five steps out actually looks totally different. Oh my God, so much. I like it's that. So pertinent for me right now. So yeah. I like that excuse to do it. I'm going to use that over the next couple, couple of my, I've got about six weeks to travel left here before I get back to the US or seven weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to see where I can find excuses to do things. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This is phenomenal. I'm just like stoked on life now. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. What a, what an enjoyable conversation. I continue to love everything you're doing. So, so yeah. keep up the great work and, and let's definitely keep the conversation going about, um, you know, ideas we have about just stuff we want to bring into the world in the, in the coming months and years. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely going to follow up with you. So have an amazing time in Turkey and all the stuff that you're doing. Thank you. Travel safely. Thank you. Thank you. Talk soon. Yeah. Bye.